0: It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors, Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Thanks for being here, friends. My name is Mike Bernard. I'm your host. I'm also one of the CFPs on the program and with me in the KFG studios, are my business partners and fellow CFPs, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory.
0: We're hitting tax planning strategies today. So, what opportunities exist for you to improve your tax picture, whether it's for this year or to allow you to pay the least amount of tax over your lifetime? So, we're going to be sharing our favorite year-end tax planning strategies for 2023, that and more, on today's episode.
1: Nerds, nerd, nerds!
0: I mean, we are excited about this, that. This is your
1: favorite
2: show. It of the is. Year, isn't yes, it? it is.
1: And we we do it a lot because, yes, I mean. The fall, this time of year, I, I know, like we, at, we are busy. We, are, we love helping clients right now plan for their taxes. I know, it geeks, but if you have a question for the program, we'd love to hear from you. You can call or text 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000 online, wisemoneyshow.com. You can find us right there and submit questions there as well. And then are all over social media, wherever you're at. We are there as well. Just search the Wise Money Show. All right. So, yeah, it's end of the year. It snuck up quick. It, it does every year. I guess I'm getting old. So I don't
0: know. <laughs> well, I don't know. that's for sure what the old people say.
1: Yes, I know. Yeah. And, and yes, it does feel and like they it's...
0: keep getting faster and, and faster, getting, young yeah. man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. But before. It feels like I eat breakfast every 15 minutes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> before. So we, we've rounded the corner. It's officially holiday season. And, and yet, uh, before you get too busy with the hustle and bustle and all that other stuff, you gotta attend to your finances. I mean, be- before you know it, the end of the year is gonna be here and some opportunities that present themselves to you to you for you to improve your tax picture are then gone, okay? So we're gonna share some of our favorite year-end tax planning tips right now.
2: Yeah, but before we do, I think it's good to recognize that tax planning is really something that needs to be woven throughout your entire financial plan, right? you know, we we often talk about how there are six areas or six different uh, lenses that you can look at your financial life through. And tax planning is one of them. But if you think about all the different realms of your financial life, the decisions you make on things like college savings or retirement savings or the decisions on how you structure your estate plan or how you build the right investment portfolio for your long-term goals, like all of these things. And I would almost argue about every financial decision that you could make in all the areas of your financial life, they're going to have tax ramifications to it. Mm-hmm. Or you at least need to pause and consider the tax consequences of, of those decisions. But because of that, there are also tax incentives in those areas as well. So you know, you're know you rewarded for pausing long enough to look at your goals and, and the things you're trying to achieve and considering, is there a tax efficient way for me to be doing this? And it's not just once a year as we get close to the end of the year, even though this is a logical time for you to revisit. It's something that every time you're facing a decision, you need to be thinking tax planning, tax planning, tax planning. I mean, you're, yeah, the six areas of your financial life, they're all connected
1: and you're going to make your greatest financial decisions when you see that decision and how it's going to impact each of those six, and the decisions that bring positivity or synergy to as many of those six areas as possible are the ones that you should consider. Because really, these these are just ideas. Should you consider or implement these ideas? Well, it depends on your the, the, the other five areas of your financial life, working with your CFP.
0: So. Yeah, and, and is there anyone that you... Talk to about your finances, family member or friend or whatever, that they might benefit from one or more of these ideas. Yeah, absolutely. So, this is definitely a a great time, um, especially around the holidays. the The trick is what you, you know, we're we're far enough into the year that funding anything that needs to be funded through your paycheck, it's it's probably a little late on that.
1: Well, we're good. we'll we'll hit a couple because because yeah. most people have a couple paychecks left, so we'll get we'll there.
0: But you need to look and say, what other things could I fund that's not that doesn't have to happen through my paycheck or?
1: Okay, so you baited me into this, and and so, but just while we're still bantering here, to me, the area of your financial life that you. have absolutely need to consider when also looking at your tax plan is your present financial position yes. because it, it typically takes money to to receive some tax benefits it takes money to to fund something to receive some tax benefits so mm-hmm. all right so here we go first one when I think end of the year and I think tax planning I think giving strategies mm-hmm. and in order for and we're going to share a couple of our favorites in order for a giving strategy whatever you're doing to uh, to to count for this tax year. It's got to be done in this calendar year. There isn't the, well, I've got up until April 15 or, or I've got a little bit into January. Nope. It's got to be done this calendar year. So guys, what are, what are some giving strategies that people need to consider?
0: Well, if you are 70 and a half or older and you've got IRA dollars, you should strongly consider giving directly from your IRA to the charity. And that's called a, a qualified charitable distribution. And that does a couple of things for you. One one is if you look, and not to get too in the weeds here, but if you give to a charity that's, that's helpful to you when you do your itemized deductions, most folks... Aren't at a point where they do itemize deductions anymore because the standard deduction is so much.
1: Apparently, about eight percent of people still itemize, and yeah. it used to be significantly more than that. Mm-hmm. Actually, there's a bill floating through Congress right now to increase. It's doing two things. Okay, quick side comment: they're trying to change it from the standard deduction to the guaranteed deduction. How? Like just rename it. Rename it. Wow. We're we're spending tax dollars and energy on this.
0: <laughs> well, are you that's, kidding me? That's my and then style. the other I like is, is I, I is, was gonna say they they've, <laughs> <yeah>. they've <laughs> certainly consulted with one of it's, the three of us. They took a
1: page out of Josh's book. Yes. And then the other is they're trying to increase the standard deduction by an extra two thousand in twenty twenty four and twenty twenty five right before it resets. So I, who knows where it'll go, but anyway, yeah, most people are are getting a standard deduction. Therefore, charitable donations likely aren't aren't adding up to a tax benefit. Right.
0: They're not giving you a a boost. But even if they do, it's only on the federal side. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you give directly from your retirement plan to a charity, you you basically don't pay federal or state tax. And you've never paid tax on that money. So that is a that's a that's a fabulous idea.
2: Yeah, so who does this apply to? This this is folks who are 70 and a half or older, mm-hmm. but it's also people you, you have, have to be charitably inclined, you know, you you maybe this is an incentive to um, get even more involved in giving to your local church or your alma mater or something like that. But for, for people who are already pulling money out of their IRAs and they've been giving to some charitable organization all along, you know, just it's just part of your routine, It's part of your cash flow and everything. Essentially, for, for the longest time, you would be pulling the money out of the IRA, which means you have to count it as income on your tax return. And then in the past, you would hope that you would get a tax deduction for the charitable contribution. But as you guys were pointing out, most people don't get that charitable deduction anymore because they're not itemizing their deductions. Those who are age 70 and a half remember those days though. You know, they, they, they used to itemize and it used to be a really big deal and you would write off those charitable contributions along with things like your real estate taxes and your mortgage interest and stuff like that. But since you can't write it off, but you would have to count it as income, you're getting the painful side of the distribution, but not the, the the benefit. And the beautiful thing about the Charitable Qualified, or the Qualified Charitable Distribution, QCD. See, trying to rename stuff. I'm, oh, telling. It. I'm telling you. <laughs> The the beautiful thing about that is that you don't even have to count the income. That that money coming out of the IRA doesn't even have to land on your tax return at all if it goes straight to the charity. Age is still 70 and a half, even though
1: there's, um, the RMD age has moved from 70 and a half to 72, now to 73, soon to be 75. I'm sure you, you know all that, right? Uh, but in the tax code, it's hard-coded in that these qualified charitable distributions can begin at age 70 and a half. It, it didn't say, it, the, the, it's not written in the tax code that you can do those once you start your required minimum distribution. Nope, it's 70 and a half. So, um, so that's one, qualified charitable distributions. Another one is, is actually stacking donations – And making a large donation in one single year. And if you want to give it directly to the charity, you can. Most people choose not to because it messes up some cash flow for them. So donating it to a donor advised fund. We just did a show about this recently. We're going to explain that concept a little bit more. And then there's, another twist that you can add to that strategy as well as part of your year-end giving. So we're sharing that and we've got more tips, more tax tips on year-end strategies to help you pay the least amount of tax over your lifetime. That and more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corehorn Financial Group.
0: This is Wise Money with Corehorn Financial Group.
1: What tax planning strategies should you be considering right now? Before the hustle and bustle and everything with the the year end, what do you need to do to improve your tax picture before it's too late? We're helping with that right now. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Stay up to date on all Wise Money content. Find us online, wisemoneyshow.com, and then all over social media, wherever you're at. We are there as well. Search the Wise Money Show. Talking about Year-end tax planning strategies. Any giving that you do has to be done before the calendar year is up, so you've you've got just until the end of the year to do that. So qualified charitable distributions, if you qualify, got to be seven and a half. But then donor advised fund. Okay, so this is an account that uh, you have control over in a way, right? But it's sort of outside of your estate, and when you put money into it you get a tax deduction it's basically treated as a donation in the year that you make the contribution into it but then you have control over when you disperse those dollars and to which charity so especially in light of the the guaranteed deduction standard deduction <laughs> potentially going up in a couple of years if you've thought if you've got the resources and you're doing some multi-year tax planning you could look and say you know what i want to stack my donations Instead of making charitable donations out of my pocket for the next three years, let's gobble up some resources right now and do three years' worth of contributions right now
2: mm-hmm.
1: and push that into the Donor advice Fund. That will give me enough deduction where I will actually itemize this year before that standard deduction goes higher potentially. And then you can disperse dollars out of your donor advised fund over the next couple of years or or whatever. So stacking your donations, consider doing that this year if you've got the resources.
0: And I I don't want to, to camp out on that for too long, but that's a big deal because it used to be when you would talk to people about stacking contributions, really the only way to stack contributions is just give the money away. And so it's gone. Well, if you're... If you're used to giving your giving money to your church on a weekly or monthly basis, uh, and and you might go to a smaller church and you might say, well, this this would be disruptive to the finances of the church to get a chunk of money once every three years or two years or right. however you do it. Well, now once the money goes into the donor advised fund, that's when you get the deduction. So that happens, but you can set it up so that that money still flows to the church on a weekly or monthly basis. And if you're using a donor advised fund, a little pro tip, I would work with the charity that you're working with, whether it's a charity or a church, to say, hey, listen, let's get the EFT link set up so it can go directly from that fund to that uh, organization. And what you're doing is you're helping everyone because you just reduced administrative costs
2: meaningfully. Yeah, more and more of those smaller, even smaller organizations are savvy enough to be able to set up these types of arrangements. And um, whether that's uh, receiving money from a donor advised fund, receiving, you know, they'll sometimes get checks in the mail coming straight from your IRA. We talked about that in the last Mm -hmm. segment from a qualified charitable distribution. Uh, other organizations are used to also receiving individual stocks or securities themselves that have run up in value. And that that's often a, a strategy that, you know, if, if you have an investment that you bought years and years ago and it's grown in value so significantly that there's a large capital gain or there, there's tax that would be owed if you were to sell that today, What some people will do is they'll give that investment itself to the charity because when they cash it in, they do so without any tax ramifications. Well, this strategy works with the donor advised fund as well. You can transfer those highly appreciated stocks into this donor advised fund. The fund sells it at no tax ramifications. Now there's a pool of cash that you get to advise on where it goes and when it's released. And, uh, you can have it go to all the same charities, all the same organizations that you would have been writing a check to once upon a time.
1: Yep. Great strategy. And last thing under giving, and we get this question a handful of times every single year is do I get a tax benefit for for giving money to my kids or family members? No, no, they're not a 501c3 charity. At least I don't think so. Um, and <laughs> so, but why do we even bring it up? Because number one, it's common to give cash gifts right now, especially, uh, you know, depending on your financial situation. But second is, each year, you're allowed to give up to a certain amount without having to report it as a gift or or any tax ramifications at, at all. And so, uh, that amount this year is seventeen thousand per person. So, if you're married, thirty-four thousand. If they're married, sixty-eight thousand. That sort of thing. So, all right. Next tax planning strategy, moving away from gifting strategies and this one then into more advanced planning. we talk about this every year because it's it also is something that needs to be done before the end of the year. and it gosh, it feels like it's making a lot more sense these days, especially in light of the tax rates sunsetting and that's the Roth conversion.
2: Yeah, if we talked about this every single week, it wouldn't be too often, yeah. in my opinion, because it's something that if you haven't given attention to lately, it's time again. Even if you looked at it every single year, you need to revisit it every single year, because from you know the, the changing of the the tax years, one year it may make sense, and the next maybe something has changed in your financial picture, maybe your income's gone up or whatever. And all of a sudden, you should not use this strategy. So even though we talk about Roth conversions all the time, it doesn't mean that you just blindly go charging into it and do it do it each year. It should be done in the context of a tax projection. And uh, w- what you want to do is you want to uh, essentially run a, a forecast of what your tax picture is going to look like this year. What will my tax return look like if I just finish out the year with no changes? And then you run a comparison against that. Um, and, and you're asking, well, how much could I convert out of my IRA, moving it to a Roth IRA, which is a taxable event that's going to create income on the tax return? And what would the tax consequences be? And we, we often talk about, well, if you're in a low tax bracket, then it could be a no-brainer. Well, some people are in a low tax bracket, but the tax consequences are higher. And it's because of things like, I've got Social Security in, in my income, And by doing this Roth conversion, I'm gonna cause more of my social security to be taxed. And so even though I'm in the 12% bracket, I'm gonna end up effectively paying more than 12%. Those are the types of things that you can't just intuitively know without really crunching the numbers, without working with your certified financial planner, probably involving a CPA as well, unless the CFP um, prepares the taxes for you. Um, the, The point is you need to have that tax projection so that you can quantify does this make sense this year like it has in the past? Is now the time to convert money from the IRA to the Roth? Uh, it's a
1: situation I'm dealing with right now where we did a Roth conversion this year because previously the individual in their role, uh, they had received significant pay increases and a big bonus and so on. And so last year they were through the 24% tax bracket and into the 32% bracket. Well, he, he expected, yep, yeah, I, I don't think, I don't think this is sustainable. In fact, my industry is taking a hit here. And so his income is going to be still, you know, into the 24% tax bracket, but nowhere near where it was the year before. And we said, well, do we like paying tax at the 24% tax bracket? And through our conversations and projecting out, yeah, for in, in this and in, in their situation, yes. So doing a little bit of Roth conversion in the 24% tax bracket, because even though compared to the 10 or 12% bracket, you might say, nah, no, that's not necessarily low. Compared historically as well as this couple's financial situation, yeah, that actually might be appealing. And they're pretty young. So doing Roth conversion in the twenty-four percent bracket, a little one, just to get them to the top of the twenty-four percent bracket, made a lot of sense.
2: See, you you mentioned that you looked backwards for some historical perspective on what is a high tax rate, what's a low tax rate. You also have to be looking forward as well to what do I expect my taxes to be out there in the future. Because what what if the opportunity to pay taxes at 24% right now, this year, is a short window of time. And out there in the future, it's going to be much higher. You would say, man, I'm going to jump on that opportunity. I want to pay tax on as many dollars as I can at the lowest possible rates that I can over my whole lifetime. And if that means paying tax on 20 at 24% right now on more money than what you even have to this year because you're being proactive do it because ultimately you're going to save yourself down the road yeah the other thing to think about we talked about this a few episodes ago and that
1: is if you're hoping for the the rule to be in place from secure act 2.0 where your employer contributions could be made to your roth 401k that's that's legal it's legal it came out in 2023 the problem is no one's been able to do it because logistically they haven't updated the infrastructure yet but if you were really hoping, oh, gosh, that's what I wanted to do, well, you can do an in-plan Roth conversion right now or in the month of December. Take a look. How much match have you gotten right now? And then log into your 401k and do a conversion of that amount. And, and it'll be taxable. You'll have to figure out and do the tax planning for that so you withhold properly or have the right amount paid in. But you can do that Roth conversion as well. All right. We've got more tax planning strategies. That more coming up on The Wise Money Show with Corehorn Financial Group.
0: This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group.
1: What can you do right now to improve your tax picture? We're helping, we're sharing our favorite ideas that you can implement before the end of the year. That's where we're hitting right now. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. With me in the KFC studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Uh, every episode of the Wise Money Show is on podcast. Wherever you listen, go search the Wise Money Show. Subscribe to it there. We appreciate that. And, uh, and, and rate the program. Uh, that also helps give feedback to us. Also helps folks that are looking for uh, information on wise financial habits helps them find us. All right, so we're talking about year-end tax planning strategies, and this next one is is interesting, because it you know last year in the markets, two thousand twenty-two, was the seventh worst year out of the previous hundred. Wow. And so yes, volatility, Kevin, you've said it well, and I've repeated it as if I'm the one that said it first. uh, Is a feature of investing. It's not a bug. That's just it. it, That there is risk and reward. Yes, there is. And so, however, yeah, 2022 was unusually painful. Okay, and we got out of the gate uh, all right in 2023, and at least at the time we're recording, it's been, it's been—it's volatility has returned and some areas of your diversified investment, investment portfolio might be doing fine. Others maybe started fine and gave up those earlier gains. So depending on your financial situation, you might have some investments where there's unrealized capital gain and maybe it makes sense for you to capture that. You might also have some investments that still have some, unrealized capital losses, and you might want to capture that.
2: Yeah, all of this, it's important this time of year to be revisiting your portfolio. In other words, it's, you're looking for, are there any strategic moves that you should be doing while there's still time left in, in the year? And the the people that I most commonly have this conversation with would be those who are maybe in retirement or getting close to retirement they have investments that are not tax-sheltered. So this is the money that you have invested outside of your IRA or outside of your 401k. Um, maybe, maybe it's a joint account, some mutual funds or some stocks that you own. And um, they've run up in value, potentially. And because you haven't needed to sell any of those investments, you haven't needed to harvest any cash to live off of, maybe you still uh, have a paycheck coming in or your expenses are low enough that you just haven't had to tap into that part of your portfolio, they can just keep on accumulating. You know, you keep on owning that investment. It keeps on growing slowly over time with the inevitable ups and downs of the market, but the long prevailing trend of most of those investments is, is up. And as that happens, you can start to accumulate a bigger and bigger capital gain um and and that represents an iou to the government it's when, when you sell those investments there would be some sort of income that is realized on your tax return and so the the timing on when you decide to sell is something that you have some discretion on um especially if you don't need the money right now does it make sense to be proactive does it make sense to intentionally sell to raise um, to, to raise your income, to realize some of that, that gain and pay the tax now while the rates are low?
1: This is where you, you, there's no one size fits all because yeah. I, I, and the various roles that that I'm asked to play on the, uh, on the team, I don't serve directly as many clients. And, and yet I have strategies that I'm working right now where we are actively realizing capital gains and other clients where we're actively realizing capital losses. The individuals where I said they are, they were in the 32% bracket, they're now in the 24. Last year, we captured losses. Mm-hmm. And what that amounts to is the cap is a $3,000 capital loss deduction against their 32% bracket or their 24% bracket. Well, later, that's going to result in a capital gain out there in the future, which will be at 15%. So, there's an arbitrage play there. So, again, you've got to look at your own unique situation, working with the CFP to determine what strategies
0: make sense and when. And the other thing that I would look at is how much capital gain could I accept and still pay zero yes. mm-hmm. on it? Now, zero federal tax, because the right. state's going to come looking for some money. But that's what most people say. Well, there's if I sell something with a gain, I'm going to pay taxes. That's not true. Um, it's possibly true, but it's not always true. So I would understand what are the various thresholds, whether I'm married, single, all these various things, and what can I sell and have it show up on my tax return and pay zero federal income tax on. Yeah. yeah.
2: I mean, you have to have a multi-year um, outlook when you're doing this type of planning, because essentially what you're doing, it it's almost a form of income smoothing in a way. You're, you're trying to bring your income down in the more expensive years, bring it up to a moderate level in, in a lower year. That way the tax write-offs that you are taking are more valuable to you. And so it, it, it's just using the tools at your disposal to try to pinpoint your overall tax picture from year to year. Yep. And speaking of, okay, so we're, we're going to pivot here. Kevin mentioned earlier
1: that there's not many not many paychecks left in, in the year, and therefore your opportunity to use your paycheck to do some year-end tax planning is limited. It's It's almost gone. There is still a little bit, so you've got probably two paychecks left. Maybe, maybe you're still the Clark Griswold and get a bonus at the end of the year, or, or a fruit uh, fruit basket, or whatever. I don't know. But uh, but if you if you do have a little bit of room to con- to contribute more to your 401k, whether that's pre tax or Roth, you've got a couple paychecks where you can goose up your contributions. HSA is another one. You've got until April 15 to make HSA contributions, but you only have your paychecks to make HSA contributions that help you with FICA as well. So maybe you increase those a little bit if your payroll uh, allows you. And then finally, we've got some folks where they doing the tax projection revealed that they didn't have their withholdings at the right amount. And that was either going to cause uh, a big tax amount due, or maybe they should do an estimate. And if there's a penalty, whatever, maybe in these last couple of paychecks, or if there's a bonus, you can figure out a way to get your withholdings correct as well. And yes, it requires a little bit of math and proactive analysis, but, but you've got that opportunity. The other thing at the end of the year though, and especially with, well, delivering a paycheck or, or, or receiving a paycheck bonus, whatever, business owners, there's a lot of opportunities for you here at the end of the year to make some decisions
0: as well. Yeah. So as a business owner, the one thing that you can do is you can you you likely have some flexibility. You can bring income into this year if it's a lower income year, or you can defer income into the following year if that makes sense. But this is again where you want to have a, a a sense for what should I do. You can also make sure you've got a retirement plan, a retirement, and and it's not easy to just uh on on a on a dime to set up a retirement plan, but that's, that is one of the few protections once you start getting up in income that a business owner would have. Um, the other thing is I would look at how am I taxed? If I'm an LLC, that's my legal status and my tax status. Is that what my tax status uh, structure, is my tax structure, is that what it should be? Or should I have a different tax structure that I can uh, elect, whether that would be an S-Corp or a C-Corp? Or what makes sense entity structure-wise as far as how am I taxed?
2: Yeah, one of the other decisions that business owners have to make from year to year is uh, how they're going to write off some of the most important assets of the business, the equipment, the machinery, um, things like that that they put into service during that year. You're allowed to slowly write off or, or take an expense against those, um, those assets over the life of the asset. Or there are rules that exist now that help you fast forward that and take a bigger write off all in one year or at an accelerated pace. And the decision on, on how much you write off from year to year is going to have an impact on your profits. And how much you pay tax on. And so this is a way for you to make some decisions, maybe as late as into when your tax filing is due. This isn't actually something you have to decide right now. But it is something where the, the asset has to be put into service in the calendar year for you to even have the option. Right. And and, and also
1: to have the option, you have to have the awareness and that discussion with your CFP and, and CPA.
0: Okay, option awareness and then the money. <laughs> so again, don't go buy something that you don't have the money for, It can't afford. It's not in the budget, it's, it's not in any of the plans, just to say, well hey, I went and bought this, this sweet truck and now I can uh, save money on my taxes, right? Well, yeah, you can save money on your taxes, but if you screw up your cash flow, it didn't help you. Yeah, that's right. That's right. The, the tax haven
1: is always a percentage of what is spent. And so if you didn't have the, the amount needed for the purchase, the tax incentive is not worth it. So, all right, more tax strategies coming up. We've got that in work on The Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group.
0: This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group.
1: Thanks for being here. This is The Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. With me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Every episode of The Wise Money Show, as well as a lot of other content on the YouTube channel, go check it out. Go to YouTube, search The Wise Money Show, subscribe to it, and then turn on notifications so you're made aware every time we drop a new talk show, which is what we're doing right now. But then also videos that air all throughout the work week, Monday through Friday, five additional videos on top of the on top of the talk show that air every single week on the YouTube channel. So go check it out, go to YouTube, search Wise Money Show, subscribe to it there, turn on notifications, and share the content as well. Um, I mean, if if a QCD doesn't apply to you, but it could to mom and dad, share that concept with them. Yeah, absolutely, all right. Um, Okay, so tax planning strategies that you've gotta consider and implement before the end of the year. In order for it to improve your tax picture this year or set you up to improve your tax picture out there in the future, one we haven't mentioned yet is a biggie. It's a 529
0: plan. Yeah. that's So the 529 plan used to be your basic pocket knife, and now it is a Swiss Army knife. I still call <laughs> it the college savings plan. And it's... It's not. It's actually more than yeah. it's a yeah.
1: it's it, you can use it for K through 12 tuition. Mm-hmm. You can even use it a little bit for student loans once in your lifetime. And now the new one prefund your
0: Roth contributions, Prefund
1: retirement <laughs> yeah. or the new backdoor Roth. It's it's unreal.
0: Yeah. So the tax laws have changed. So it, this is not just a knife anymore. It's a it's the corkscrew, the tweezers. The uh, toothpick. I mean, everything you would get in a Swiss the Army mini, knife.
1: The mini crossbow. Yeah, I think this is the this is the Swiss Army no, no, knife actually, that also has the mini crossbow. It's the
0: little saw. Oh, it's like yeah. okay, now <laughs> I, I could cut down a tree with this thing given enough time. Okay, Cindy, so,
1: Cindy, are you listening? To this like
0: I I might need to ask Christmas another Christmas, 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 Christmas gift. Here. I'm telling you. So so the five twenty nine plan has evolved as. Uh, um, the rich men north of Richmond have continued to change the laws on how it works. And so you say, all right, well, what does this mean? Well, if I'm in Indiana, it used to be, well, I could get a credit and I would, but I, I was basically going to use it for college. Now then I could go from K-12 and and I can do all these various things. And now it behooves me to have an account open for 15 years for certain beneficiaries. So this is this is an account that we quite often see folks that have surplus dollars saying, not only am I going to fund it for me, so my wife and I are gonna fund it, but I have adult children, and they might not have the same cash flow structure we do, but they have these accounts open, uh, for our grandchildren so i'm going to put money into those accounts and fund them as well my my children who are the owners on those accounts will get the will be the beneficiary of the credits mm-hmm. but so it's so you may want to look beyond just funding yours but also funding uh your children's there's in and, and the the benefit the real benefit to the funding to the when i put the money in there's Typically, depending on the state you're in and the, and the plan that you're in, um, there's a state tax benefit. So in the state of Indiana, there's a credit. In in Michigan, there's a deduction. If you give me a choice all day long. Always the credit, right? Give me the credit. There, there's
2: nothing better than a credit on the tax return because when you get a dollar's worth of credit, that's a dollar eliminated from your tax bill. Yes. The deductions that you get in other state they reduce your income which then has a trickle-down effect to have a smaller impact on the tax itself. So credits are, are the better deal, and in Indiana, it has gone up. It used yes. to be that you could get $1,000 knocked off your tax bill, as long as you had a $1,000 tax bill. Yeah. Um, now it's $1,500, and you have to contribute uh, at least 7500 bucks to uh, the 529 plan before the end of the year. You don't get any bonus time it It can't be, you know, on its way in the mail. Now you want that money in the account um, so that it gets processed on time and you get credit for it on your your tax return this year. but it's it's a really big deal. It's one of those things that you don't want to accidentally miss because, you know, the holidays get busy and you haven't handled it yet this year. You don't want to um, miss the fact that here in Indiana, the contribution amount that you get this benefit for has gone up. So be, be paying attention to those types of things. But if you're in another state, you also need to get your contribution to the 529 plan in in order to get the tax deduction for that state as well. Yep.
1: So get that 529 plan open, make a contribution to it. And, and so I mentioned the potential, you know, Swiss Army knife here uses is the new backdoor Roth. So here's an idea. You need to have your, the 529 plan open for at least 15 years and then any contributions that you made within the most recent five years aren't allowed for this. But if you meet those two qualifications, then you're allowed to transfer money from that 529 plan into the Roth IRA of the whoever is listed as the beneficiary or the, or the student of that account um, each year up to the, the contribution limit. Um, and there's an annual maximum of $35,000. Okay. Well, what would prevent you from opening up a 529 plan for yourself? That contribution or that transfer from the Roth IRA to the 529 plan, uh, there is no, right now, they could change this, there is no income limit, which means, well, if you make too much money, you're unable to transfer money from the 529 to the Roth. And, And that seems very unlikely that they would add that in there in the future. So if you're at a situation right now, you're 40, and you think, yeah, I, I'm not able to contribute directly to my Roth IRA, my income situation, the role that I play, the uh, the job that I have. And I don't necessarily see that changing. Maybe you open up a, a 529 plan for yourself right now, throw some money in it, invest it, all that growth and activity will be tax sheltered. And then 15 years from now, you can start using that to
0: transfer to a Roth IRA. Yeah, the, the game has changed because it used to be, okay, if you've got several, say you have three children, Typically, we would recommend you open one account. It's I don't know if you save ten or twenty bucks a year in an, 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 an per account fee, and so that made sense if they were staggered in age because you could just change the beneficiary from your oldest to your middle to the youngest, and that money kind of just flows down uh, to the various children. Now it makes sense to open three different ones and probably have one open for yourself. Yeah, could absolutely could.
1: All right, a couple other tax strategies, and and these are just so that you're aware. Okay, these do not have the year end deadline. We, the other ones that we hit, uh, have all of them had the, the well, you needed to take action or do it before the end of the year. This one does not, okay, but these are your normal, you know, tax shelter retirement account funding. So you've got up until April 15, but might not be a bad idea right now, especially if they're. Are some bonuses coming in or you've got extra cash flow because you've met the uh, the the Social Security wage limit that sort of thing where you should be considering funding your IRA Roth IRA HSA something like that Um, so IRA what you need to be aware of is if you're if you're contributing if you have a retirement plan available at work and you're contributing to that and you make more than a certain amount can you contribute to your IRA yes will it give you a tax deduction this year? No, it will not. You still might want to do it. That that's sort of the start of the the backdoor Roth, the an after-tax contribution to the IRA. We're actually hitting that in full
0: detail next week as as well as the the mega backdoor Roth. Yeah, I found that to the extent that you can, when I when I first started my career, I just looked and said, "What are the limits?" and I'm just going to put as as much money as the government will allow me in the various tax shelters and structures, and it's it's helped. It's been beneficial. I remember when we had people that were putting uh, after-tax contribution, $2,000 a year, in after-tax contributions into an IRA. Well, uh, when when the Roth came around,
2: shazam. Yeah. Well, here's a quick warning, too, because if you set out at the beginning of the year with the intention of maxing out your 401k, let's say, that's $22,500 here in in the year 2023. Unless you're over age 50, then you can do an extra 7,500. Every once in a while, I'll see an employer where for whatever reason there's maybe a glitch with the payroll or they're they're not really catching it and they'll cap an individual at 22,500 even though they're allowed to do the extra catch-up contribution. And that can go unnoticed if, if you're not paying attention, maybe you're not in the habit of checking your pay stubs periodically or watching the contributions go into the account. So this this time of year, you should check and just make sure, have your contributions accidentally been shut off early when you could be continuing, finish out the year strong with those maximum possible contributions.
1: Tax planning, guys. Tax planning, that's what you need. That is the proactive approach to your tax situation, seeing what opportunities exist for you to pay the least amount of tax over your lifetime. Hope these strategies help. That's all the time we have for today. On behalf of Josh Gregory, Kevin Corhorn, all of us at KFG, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Based on that, let's do it.
0: I don't have the coffee. Whoa. All right. Right. What a oh, let's, go. Here. let's go Let's go